This is the message we have heard from him and to clear, declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship in him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. All right, so I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret on how not to get speeding tickets other than not speed because that would be number one. But uh, I, I have a little bit of a speeding problem. I have to admit, like I don't know. I just I'll be look. I'll just be driving along. I'm going too fast. I don't know. I like that speed. Uh, but when I get pulled over, as as has happened on many occasions, uh, I'm always just honest with the police officer. I, I don't argue. I don't get combative. I confess to what I'd done. What he pulled me over for. He already knew why he pulled me over, but this is going to happen. Uh, you, you get pulled over, and uh, they're going to ask you why, right? They ask you why you get pulled over. And just be honest. That's what I did. Sir, I was speeding. Sir, I tried to squeak through that light that I thought was yellow, but was actually red. I ran the red light. Just be honest. And it, it's kind of, it seems like a little bit of a paradox that confessing to the one who's supposed to uphold the law, who... Who, whose job is to enforce the law will actually get you forgiveness. And yet that's exactly what often happens. A lot of times if a, a police officer pulls you over and they ask you why and you just are honest with them, a lot of times they go, yeah, that's right, and they let you off with a warning. Anybody else experience that or is that just me? Okay, a few people, good. So, all right, so not the only one. But yeah, just being honest, and again, it seems weird because you're admitting you've done wrong. You're admitting you've broke the law. And yet in doing that, the one who upholds the law is willing to forgive you and let you go. Uh, even in extreme cases, this is true. I had a friend, um, this is going to be one of the craziest things you've ever heard, but I had a friend in college who he had a, a motorcycle. It was a sport bike, right? Those things are built for going fast. I mean, that's their purpose. So uh, he did 105 through a school zone uh, and got pulled over. And the police officer had clocked him actually up the hill before he'd gotten to his fastest speed. And the police officer pulled him over and he said, do you know why I pulled you over? And he said, yes. And he goes, do you know how fast you were going? So yeah, I was doing 105. And the police officer looked at him and said, your honesty is going to save you today. I'm going to let you off with a warning for doing 85 over the speed limit, which is crazy. He should have been in jail, right? I mean, that's an automatic. The cops should have thrown the cuffs on him, thrown him in the backseat of that car and taken him down to the county jail for processing. And yet, and I'm not saying do 105. I'm not, not endorsing that. But yet his willingness to to confess what he had done, to admit what he had done, ended up getting him off of the charges. Got a warning, and he drove away, and I'm pretty sure he's never done that since, or at least I would hope not. 
Now, I share that with you today because uh, I think it helps illuminate the passage that we've read. This passage kind of holds two ideas in tension with each other. On the one hand, we have the idea that we must walk in holiness. We have to walk in holiness in order to have fellowship with God. And on the other hand, we see that we must confess that we are sinners in order to have fellowship with God. There's a strange tension there that on one hand we must be holy, and on the other hand we must confess that we are sinners in order to have this fellowship with God. But I think as we work through this and look at it, we will actually find great freedom in that tension. That that, that, that will actually free us from some traps that we can fall into. So the first idea that we must walk in light, it said. We must walk in light so that we have fellowship with God and fellowship with each other and so that the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. So to walk in light, first of all, means that we have to cease from walking in darkness. Right? Which we've all been there. We have all at one time in our lives, even if we are following Christ now, we walked in darkness beforehand. So we've all been there, but in order to walk with God, we turned from that darkness. In other words, we turned from our sins, we turned from pursuing those things, and we turned to God. And the first step in that is repentance from our sin and placing our faith in Jesus Christ, in His death and in His resurrection for the payment of our sins. That process of turning from sin and turning from trying to justify ourselves to having faith in Jesus is turning from darkness to light, where we become dependent on God and obedient to God. Now, it's not an easy thing to walk in the light, so let's start with why do we walk in the light? Because we need to, be, we, we need to have this in, in front of us. Why is it that we are called to walk in the light? Which, again, is not an easy thing to do. Well, we are called to walk in the light, it says, because God himself is light. God is light, and in him there is no darkness. That is a little bit mind-blowing to think about God as a totally perfect being. A being in whom there is no fault, there is no sin. Because we don't know of any other being that way. And in fact, if you look at other gods, the, the false gods, what you see is actually a lot of gods who have a dark side to them. Gods who have, uh, you know, you look at the Greek gods, the Roman gods, they were messes, absolute messes. You look at them and go, man, they have a lot of darkness to them. Or if, uh, I'm going to use Star Wars as an example here, right? So the Force. I'm a Star Wars nerd, it's true. Uh, but I, I love Star Wars. But the Force, the Force is this power that holds everything together. It's in everything. It's not just everywhere, but it's actually in everything. And there's a light side to the Force, and there's a dark side to the Force. And George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, actually created the, the Force from a lot of ideas of Eastern religion. So there's this idea that even in these divine beings or in this divine presence, there's a good side and there's a bad side. But that is not true of God. The true God, there is no dark side to Him. There is only light. He is perfect. He is holy. And those who claim to follow Him, those who say they have fellowship with Him, therefore also have to be light. They have to be walking in the light. 
And so that is our motivation to walk in the light, that we are claiming to have fellowship with God who is perfect, who is holy, and therefore we too are called to walk in holiness because there is no darkness in God. And again, that can be hard to accept because we often look at ourselves and we look to other things and other ideas of of what God might be like. But it's not true. God is totally light. He's totally perfect. He's totally holy. And therefore, we are called to be holy ourselves. Now, there are many people who try to claim God, who claim that God loves them, who claim that God has saved them, and they have this fellowship with God, and yet they walk in darkness. In other words, they walk in their sin unrepentantly. And that's what to walk in darkness really is. Not that we're perfect, or not that we're just, uh, you know, sinning sometimes. Because all Christians sin, right? We all struggle with sin in our lives. But that doesn't necessarily mean, as we'll see, that we're walking in darkness. But what it does mean to walk in darkness is that we are just sinning unrepentantly. We're sinning and we have no sorrow for it, no shame for it. We aren't trying to stop sinning. We aren't trying to turn away from it. We're in our sin. We're unrepentant, living in it comfortably. That is to walk in darkness. So anyone who is doing that and yet claims to have fellowship with God, it says, is not in the truth. They're lying, in other words. That can't be. Someone cannot be in unrepentant sin and yet also have fellowship with God. They aren't living in the truth. Uh, I think of some friends uh, who, that I used to have in college. And my friends had, um, they, they claimed to know God, they claimed to be Christians, and uh, yet they were, uh, they were physically intimate in their relationship and they weren't married. So they were dating, they were sleeping together, and any time they were confronted with this sin, the response was, well, we've already done it, so we may as well keep doing it. Or their response would be, we're going to get married someday, so it's not that big a deal. We can keep doing that. Do you see that, how they were just in their sin, and there was no, oh, you're right, we're sinning, we need to be repenting of that it was all justification for their sin and the thing was if you looked at our others like the others in our circle of friends who were not christians they saw right through this they saw it and they said these people they preach it they claim it they condemn us for doing it and yet they claim to be holy they claim to have this fellowship with god and these again these are non-christian people who are seeing through this They're deceiving themselves, which is what this passage said, right? That if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And that you could see that in this couple particularly, how they just deceive themselves over and over. So on the flip side of this, though, is that if we walk in the light, instead of walking in darkness, then we will have fellowship with one another, it says. And the whole purpose of the, one of the whole purposes of this letter, which was in the earlier chapter, earlier in the chapter here, John said he was writing this letter in order that they might have fellowship with one another and that ultimately their fellowship was with God the Father and with Jesus Christ. 
And so you see that this call to walk not in darkness, because there is no darkness in God, but instead to walk in light so that we can ultimately have fellowship, yes, with each other, but ultimately with God and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, if taken alone, if you just look at the first part, if you just look at the first part of this passage, uh, there can be kind of two errors we can make in looking at it. Two ways we can look at the passage in the wrong way and really have it hamper what God is trying to say and what God is trying to, to spur us on to through this passage. Uh, and so the, the first thing is we can try to self-justify, right? We can look at this and say, okay, we need to walk in light. We need to walk in holiness, in other words. And then we can start trying to say all the ways we've walked holy. We'd say, I'm justified because I've done this, because I've done this, because I've done this, right? And we can say, I'm a good person. Look at this. I'm walking in light. I'm such a good person. Therefore, I'm justified. That's one error. The other, another error is that we can deny that we have sin. And, um, sorry, this is really part of that first error in, in self-justification. One of the ways we can try to self-justify is to deny that we have sinned at all in hopes that maybe if we keep denying our sin, that we'll be, uh, we'll be proclaimed innocent. So my children do this. I'm not going to tell you which two. or uh, they, They've all tried it, but there's one in particular who really loves to do this. Her hope is that if she just keeps denying she's done the wrong thing, that she'll somehow be proven justified in doing that. So we are in the van this week. The two of them are in the back seat and they're fighting as we are going on this drive. And I, finally I've had, I'm like, okay, next, you know, keep your hands to yourself. My teacher voice came out. I actually said, keep your hands, feet, and objects to yourself. Uh, so I'm like, keep them to yourself or there's going to be consequences. Well, no sooner do I say that than I look in the mirror and one of them has reached over and her hand is in front of her sister's face and she just kind of, and so I see that and I call her out on it. And what? No, 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 I didn't do that, Dad. Nope, nope, didn't do that. And she keeps up with it. And I'm explaining, I'm like, I saw you do it in the mirror. I watched you reach your hand over and hit your sister in the face. There's no doubt that this has happened. And yet she just sat there maintaining her innocence and hope that there would be no consequence once we got home. She's trying to justify herself by denying that she has sinned. And people can do the same thing. We can sit there and say, no, no, that's not sin. Right? We can justify ourselves. No, 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 that's not sin. Whatever I'm doing, that's not sin. We try and justify ourselves by denying that we've sinned. Or we try and justify ourselves by blaming others for our sin. Right? If they hadn't done this to me, I wouldn't have reacted that way, right? If they hadn't cut me off in traffic, I wouldn't have flipped them off. Or if they hadn't treated me this way, I would not have cursed them. Or, you know, you can, if the government wasn't so corrupt, I wouldn't cheat on my taxes. Whatever it happens to be, we blame the others for our action. That's another way we can try and self-justify. And so that's one error we really want to stay away from, where we see this call to holiness, we see this call to walk in light. One error we can make is to try and say, we are good, actually good, in our own power, in our own works, we're good, we're walking in the light. 
So that is one error. The other error, the second error that can come from just looking at this first idea uh, in the passage is that we can fall into despair. We can look at this call to walk in light and not in darkness and actually fall into despair because we realize that we aren't perfect. We are not like God. This is particularly true if you've been struggling with the sin and you can't seem to get out of it that you can just fall into despair over and be like, I can never get out of this. It's done. It's over. I'm not walking in the light. I'm walking in darkness. Or you could say that maybe it appears I have my life together now, but I've done so many bad things in my past that there's no way that anybody could ever overcome that. It's so dark. It's so bad. There's just no overcoming that. No matter what I do from here on out, I will always be in darkness. I can never be looked at as walking in the light. So if you have ever been there, or particularly if you are there now in either of those situations, either in despair or trying to justify yourself, I want you to listen carefully to the second idea that we saw in this passage. The second idea, again, held in tension with the first, is that we must confess our sins. So on one hand, we're called to walk in the light, to not sin, to be holy. And on the other hand, we are called to say that we are sinners and confess when we have sinned. And see, that second portion of the Scripture frees us from those two traps we talked about. It freed us from A, trying to justify ourselves, and B, it frees us from falling into despair. Because it says that when we confess our sins... What? God is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let that sink in for a minute. That upon confessing that we have sinned, that we have separated ourselves from God, that He is faithful and just to forgive us. It's a beautiful thing. That is the gospel message that because of what Jesus did on the cross we don't have to be perfect we don't have to live our lives perfectly Jesus did that for us and when we have sinned all the sin we have ever committed all the sin we will commit has been paid for by Jesus's death on the cross and therefore we can confess that to God we can confess that we are sinners who have walked in darkness We can confess that to Him, we can repent, and we can place our faith in Jesus and have our sins forgiven. You see, a relationship with God is like any other relationship. And there has to be open and honest communication in a relationship. And that's especially true when one person has wronged the other person. Have you ever seen a relationship where one person has sinned against the other person and there's never been that confession? There's never been that, I'm sorry, I did this to you. What's that relationship like? It's very odd, right? It's it's uncomfortable to be around a lot of times. But ultimately, that relationship will end up dying when that confession has not been there. I know this is true from my own life. I I think about a friend I had who um, I was not there for. 
and I should have been there for. I had been there for him a lot in the past. He'd been there for me, and I was just never there. Uh, you know, life got busy and moved on, but I didn't really love him because I, I, I wasn't there for him when he needed me to be there for him. And that went on for a, a length of time. And it went on way too long before I ever said anything and apologized to him and confessed to him. And at that point, it was too late. The relationship was gone because I didn't, conf- I didn't come to him and say I was sorry for not being a good friend to him. I didn't come to him and say I'm sorry for not being there when you needed me to be there. That relationship died because that confession was not there. And again, by the time I did, it was just too late. Now, on the other side, I've seen relationships that that seem like that was it. The relationships were at the end, that they could go no further than it had ended. And yet, through a confession, the relationship was restored. Uh, My grandfather was a hot-tempered man. Uh, He... Uh, he mellowed out in his later years, uh, and by later years, I mean his 80s. Uh, but any time before that, he had a hot temper. Uh, he was known for it. Um, now, we knew Grandpa loved us, but we also knew he had a hot temper. And one day when uh, we, we lived actually fairly close by, about a mile away, uh, my grandfather had blown up at my father for some reason that was, did not warrant the reaction it got. Uh, and, and my grandfather had just been terrible to my father, yelling at him and uh, just being angry with him. And my dad left and got home and it was like, that's it. I, I can't do this anymore with my father. The relationship is done. I, I can't take it. Well, not actually long after that, my grandfather came to the house. And uh, my dad didn't want to let him in the house, <laughs> didn't want to see him. And so my grandfather just finally had to yell out, I'm sorry, Raj, as he, as he called my dad. He said, I'm sorry. And he confessed what he had done to my father and he apologized for it. And my dad and him mended that relationship. And I don't remember a point after that, not to say that it didn't have small disagreements perhaps, but there was never a point I remember after that where my grandfather blew up like that again at my father. And they had that relationship restored because my grandfather was willing to go truly apologize. He didn't do it just as, you know, some people apologize just to like get back into the relationship, but they really have no intention of changing. That's not the confession that's going on here. This confession is my grandfather truly coming, truly apologizing for how he had treated my father. And the relationship was restored. It is the same for us if we want to be in fellowship with God. The fact is, is that we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God, right? We have all fallen short of His glory, it says in the Bible. We've all sinned. If you want to be in fellowship with God, it has to start with you admitting and confessing your sin before Him. It has to start there, that you were a sinner, that you have sinned against Him, and that you need forgiveness. It must start there. And the great thing is, is that when we come and confess our sins to God, He does forgive us. He does. He is faithful and just to forgive us. Alright, He's not like that person you ever 
admitted your fault to a person and they just hold it over your head the rest of your lives? Like you are always that person who, who did this to them or did that to them, even if they say they forgive you, they just hold it over your head? Okay, God is not that way. He's the opposite of that. God doesn't hold our sins over our head. He doesn't hold our unrighteousness over our head. He forgives us our sins. He cleanses us from our unrighteousness. That is a wonderful, beautiful truth we need to hang on to because it frees us up in that tension of we must walk in holiness. We can't just live anyway, sinning however we want, totally unrepentantly. And yet, when we do, we can come to God confessing our sin, knowing that He forgives us. In 1 John, he follows uh, up this passage in chapter 2 by saying this, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. I want to echo that to you today in preaching this message to you. You are called to live in light. You are called not to sin. You are called to obey God and walk in holiness. But when you fail, confess it to Him. Don't hide it. Don't bury it. Bring it to the light. Let it be exposed. Confess it and receive that grace and forgiveness that God gives to us. If you are still in darkness, as this put it today, if you are still walking separated from God, in other words, saying maybe you're the one self-justifying, saying I have no sin, I am a good person, therefore I don't need forgiveness before God. Or if you're the person who's in despair, who said I have sinned too much in this life, I have done too many bad things, there's nothing that can redeem me from that. I want both of you, if you are in those shoes, to stop living that way, to stop living in those lies. And instead, look to the truth of Scripture here. The good news is, is that because Jesus Christ came and He lived the perfect life, you don't have to. Because you couldn't. No matter what you say, you could not live the perfect life. But Jesus did live the perfect life. And then Jesus willingly went to the cross on your behalf. He willingly took that torture. He willingly took that death, spilling His blood for the shit for the forgiveness of your sins. He did that for you. You don't have to try and justify yourself and you don't have to be condemned by what you did in the past. You can have forgiveness because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Just confess your sins before God. Place your faith in Jesus. Stop falling into those two traps. Your sins will be forgiven when you place your faith in Jesus. You will be restored and redeemed. You will have fellowship with God. And to my brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning, I encourage you, just as this scripture has encouraged us, not to sin. If you are in any area of sin, repent. Leave it behind. Don't keep walking in it. Walk in holiness. But when you do sin, don't get condemned. Instead, fall on your knees, pray, confess your sin to God and receive the forgiveness and walk in that. Rejoice in your forgiveness. Rejoice in your cleansing from unrighteousness that you have through Jesus Christ. Let's pray.